And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Thanks for coming back, everybody. JT brought to you by our good friends at Modelo. With the fighting spirit, you know I have a bucket of Modellos every Friday, and I'm on deck for this Friday. Cooling down on Friday, the ultimate beer experience for me. Proud partner of the show, Modelo Especial. Rich, full-flavored, the Pilsner-style lager, uh, delivering a crisp, refreshing taste. Brewed with the fighting spirit since 1925. So, big hour we got lined up. Schmitty's going to join us, one of the premier boxing analysts out there. The fight world is here in Vegas for Saturday night, Crawford Porter. Crawford, I believe, is the best boxer in the world at any weight. Nothing against Tyson Fury or some of the smaller weights. Bud Crawford is the best pound-for-pound fighter other than Canelo. It's one of those two. He's fighting at Mandalay Bay, and good to see Mandalay Bay. For years, Mandalay Bay was where all the great fights were. Then the MGM Grand, and then T-Mobile came. Hopefully Allegiant will put on some big fights in years to come, so I'll be there on Saturday night. We'll talk to Schmitty. Vic Tafer from The Athletic, the Raider Insider, at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk to Vic about a little bit about the loss to Kansas City, but what has to happen here. This is a very important game to analyze heading into the Cincinnati game because the both, both teams are identical. So I think you want Burrow to be in a situation where he has to pass, and you know it. Because Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby are two elite pass rushers this year. And the Raiders put that group together, and they did a nice job. Did a nice job bringing in Ngakwe for him to come in here and sign as a free agent with Max, who was an excellent draft pick. Because they're getting a lot. Of, Max Crosby plays like a first-round pick. So the Raiders deserve a lot of credit for that pick. But if you're going to make Burrow pass a lot, then you're going to get beat. Because Jamar Chase on the edge is special. He is a rookie receiver who can do it all. He was great with Burrow in college at LSU. He's fantastic in the pros. He's a speed burner. He's got great hands. He runs great routes. He's a combination of what you want. And Odell Beckham Jr., we know Henry Ruggs is gone. Clearly, they brought in a new wide receiver for the Raiders in Deshaun Jackson. Chase is better than all of them. He is. And he's going to be a pro bowler. He lo- he's being compared to a young Randy Moss. And I know that irks some Raider fans because Randy Moss actually quit on the Raiders. So the game plan is going to be really tough. Who can run it? Joe Mixon or Josh Jacobs? Kenyon Drake. And as I talk to the head coach today, and you'll hear that tomorrow, got to get Waller going. Waller's open. Pro football focus grades show he's open. You got to give him the ball. I mean, would Raider fans freak out? If Carr went to Waller too much and Carr, unfortunately, threw an interception going to Waller, I wouldn't. You know, it'd be disappointing that he threw a pick, but I'd rather see him go at Waller and take a chance. And maybe that's what it's about next for Derek, is how much of a chance does Derek make? How many chances does he take going forward? He's not going to break the passing record this year. He got off to a very good start, as we know. But he's kind of stuck here, and he's starting to trend downward. So I think that Derek, to get out of this trend of going in an opposite direction and downward, take a few extra shots. Get a flag on a 30-yard bomb. Move the chains and don't throw underneath. No need to throw underneath. 
Darren Waller can get a flag on him or make a tough catch if he's double teamed. Brian Edwards can run routes over the middle, and anything that's third and seven to third and 15, let Hunter Renfro run that route. I mean, Hunter might not have enough time to get 15 yards, but if there's one guy you can throw to underneath that can maybe make a move would be Hunter Renfro. I also talked to Rich Passaccia about the loss of Alec Ingold. He told me that Alec will be around the team. He'll be in meetings. He'll be there on the sidelines. He's going to play more of a captain role because he's a captain. And he'll do a great job with that, but a big loss there. And there's a lot of news around the NFL. COVID restrictions are increasing now. Uh, The NFL is very concerned about what we're going to see coming up heading into Thanksgiving. So I give Roger Goodell credit. Some people are saying the hell with it. No, they're not saying the hell with it. The NFL understands now that over Thanksgiving break, a lot of players are going to connect with their families. Their families are going to come in from out of town. They're going to be carrying COVID. There could be, you know, some issues coming up here that are very important. So the league wants to get in front of that. And I think that's the right thing to do. So they're talking about cameras and weight rooms. They're going to look at film. If there is a COVID outbreak, the NFL is going to be very proactive. We mentioned Cam Newton last hour. He is giving away 50 tickets because he wants the Panthers to reclaim their stadium. He said earlier today that he's working with a company and an organization, a production company in Charlotte, to identify fans who have not had access to games. And then he's going to give them free tickets in an attempt to get that fan base going. It's pretty interesting. You don't hear about this much. Quote, I'm going to give away 50 tickets to the people who have rarely been to a game or have ever seen a game. I'm partnering with the Panthers and doing this. I'm adamant about this. This Sunday is important to us. We need to reclaim Bank of America Stadium. I know the success hasn't been there, but we ain't talking about the past. I'm talking about things here moving forward. So for a guy who wasn't playing much, all of a sudden he's in a really good spot and he's ready to roll. All right, you know I've been covering boxing. I've been to over 100 championship fights and a lot of them with this guy, James Smitty Smith. He's a great boxing analyst. He joins me ahead of every big fight, and we got a big one in Crawford Porter. Smitty, good to talk to you again, Fight Week. How are you, buddy? Good to talk to you, uh, JT. And you're right, it it is a big fight, especially uh, if you – think like I do or people think along the, the lines that I do. I think I think we're seeing the best fighter on the planet Saturday night in Terrence Bud Crawford. Uh, a lot of people don't agree with me on that, but uh, they can try to <laughs> compare their eyes to mine if they like. But he takes on a guy in Sean Porter who always comes to fight, mm-hmm. has the type of herky-jerky, aggressive style to give him issues, and uh, there's a title on the line, and, and uh, again, for me, pound-for-pound pound supremacy. So, I, yeah, I think it's a big fight. And it's a great fight. For those who haven't seen Bud Crawford fight and the energy he brings in from Omaha and his fan base, look, I don't, I don't know if his career's been promoted at the level I'd like to see. Look at the money. You just covered another Canelo fight brilliantly uh, with your site, in this TV.com and all the TV work you do and all the radio hits. Canelo has the bank account. Canelo has the sponsors. When Canelo's fighting, you know about it. What do you think they have done or haven't done with Crawford to make him more of a household name outside the diehard boxing fans? You know, there was a time a long time ago when there was this uh, middleweight who had the ability to go uh, orthodox or southpaw and dominate, and he probably was the best fighter on the planet 
but he wasn't appreciated until probably after a few fights, namely one with Thomas the Hitman Hearns, and then after his career. And that was marvelous Marvin Hagler because he wasn't the most vociferous and loquacious guy with the microphone. And Crawford is very similar in that he, too, can go uh, equally as effective from Orthodox to South Paul. He, he did a sit-down interview with me yesterday, but and he, he's a big you know he's a fan of mine as well. But uh, he doesn't say much. He lets his two fists do the talking, which have done pretty well. Thirty-seven and zero with twenty-eight KOs and and uh, eight straight KOs. So I think that has a lot to do with it. And let's face it, the Mexican boxing audience are uh, probably the best in, in in all of the sports. Certainly, they are so so you know, partisan for their fighters, and they love Canelo. And Canelo's done a pretty good job of crossing over and fighting a guy like Mayweather years ago and Shane Mosley and, and some of the others have helped in that. So you're right. Canelo's the superstar. He may, he may in fact, be the best fighter on the planet. But for the last four or five years, for my eyes, Crawford is the best package that is out there a combination of versatility adaptability and tenacity he's the best closer in the sport james smitty smith is our guest the great boxing analyst also the man at the international boxing hall of fame the mc he's met more boxers and built more friendships with boxers than almost anybody i know schmitty let's jump in on porter and what he brings to the fight I don't think he's a live dog, but I know he's going to be entertaining. I mean, he's the type of guy, I don't think he has the ability to beat Bud Crawford, but if he fights hard, if he puts on a show, if he's there after the 8th or ninth round, how does he get to the 8th or ninth or 10th round, in your opinion? Well, you know, one of the things that he's you got to give him so much credit, he's a former two-time champion. He's fought mm-hmm. everybody in the welterweight division outside of uh, of Crawford, and he brings it. You know, he's very athletic. I heard you there talking about uh, football. If he had been a little bit bigger, he probably could be a, you know, a running back or a defensive back or something like that in the NFL. He used to be about 200 pounds. He's always in great condition. He doesn't have any uh, bad habits outside the squared circle. He's a wonderful human being, which makes people root for him. And I will say, although Crawford's my number one guy, I have seen a bit of slippage. In Bud, he's getting hit a little bit too much, and uh, there's been a little bit too much inactivity. Inactivity for a fighter is like high blood pressure. I call it the silent killer. Um, so he'll have his best. His best chance is to just be Sean Porter, to use that herky jerky aggressive style. Don't try to look pretty. Don't try to box with a guy like Crawford. Try to rough him up, make it ugly, and hope that. Uh, you know, you can you, you can uh, win some rounds and, and, and do something effectively. I think he will have his moments, uh-huh. um, but I'm picking Crawford to win, and, and I'm having some fun with the 11th round after my pick a couple of weeks ago of Canelo to stop Caleb in round 11. So I'm it, in all likelihood it'll, it'll go to a decision Crawford to win, but I'm going with an 11th round stoppage with Crawford stopping and becoming the first guy to stop Sean Porter. Yeah, the first guy. Schmitty's our guest as we wrap it up. Schmitty, what happens next for Crawford? We both think he's going to win. You know, we've been waiting around for him to have bigger fights and more consistent fights here. You believe he's the best pound-for-pound boxer in the world. I'm right there with you. We're at the end of the year in 2021, wrapping up November. What could be a best-case scenario for him coming up? 
And it was my last question to him on our interview that will run Saturday on In This Corner, the podcast, which is on Fight uh, TV every week. We've become the number one podcast on there. Um, I, I, I think he has to fight Errol Spence. Uh, Ugas is a possibility, but there's only one fight, and that's the unbeaten guy, Errol Spence, who has a victory over Sean Porter, a decision victory. Uh, that's what he's got to do you know, if, if he wins this fight. That, that's a very important fight. So we'll see, you know, what happens. We've seen fighters. You've even seen it, JT. They get old overnight. They're both 34 years of age. We'll see uh, if it if it goes as I expect it to. But he, in order to solidify my claim and his claim and everything else, I believe he has to fight and uh, and, and 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 beat a guy like Errol Spence. And then there's no doubt he's the best 147 pound fighter mm-hmm. on this planet. Absolutely. I'll see you Saturday night. Thanks for making time for us. Thank you. James Smitty Smith. So we've been backed up here with all the guests we have today. I'll be at the fight Saturday night at Mandalay Bay. It's a big one with Bud Crawford, Sean Porter. Now I get to bring in my long-term co- longtime colleague and friend, Andy Furman, who is the best media member in all of Cincinnati, Fox Sports Radio. We go back a long way. And Andy, did you ever dream of your team, the Bengals, playing in Las Vegas in the desert in a Death Star and we get it this year. Bengal fans have to be going crazy. Well, it's a pleasure being with you, JT. You tell you were talking about this fight Saturday night. I think the bigger fight may be Sunday when the Bengals yeah. meet the Raiders. It's a, a must game for both teams. It really is. Andy, it is, it's such a must game. You saw the Raiders and how poorly they played on Sunday night in a really good spot. They were 5-2. and two. We've moved on from the ugly tragedy of Henry Ruggs and the death of Tina Tintor, which has been a big local story, and I know you're covering it nationally. The John Gruden emails, Damon Arnett. The Raiders have been looking for a win for weeks now, and they were a pretty good team to start off the year. And both these teams, identical records, both on a losing streak here. What's been happening from a Bengals' perspective? Why have they been getting tripped up as of late? Well, at least the Raiders have some sort of an excuse with the -the off-the-field situations and all those opportunities that have made them lose, perhaps. They've lost four out of six, but as far as the Bengals are concerned, I mean, they got slugged pretty good with Cleveland. They got the bye week, 41-16, but the horrendous loss was the Jets' loss. That was really, no one saw that coming. But the key to the Bengals right now is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, as we speak today, is the AFC's highest-rated passer. He's got a rating of like 102, 102.6, whatever it might be. That would be the second best in club history next to Andy Dalton. Back in 2015, Dalton was like 106.3. Nice FM station name, okay? His 11 interceptions but lead the AFC, and that's the thing. He's got to be careful what he's doing, who he's throwing to, and obviously they've got to keep him upright. That's the key right there because he's been getting killed. He really has been. Bengals insider Andy Furman joins us. Andy, let's stay with us for a second. And why is he throwing these interceptions? Is he under duress or are these forced passes – to Jamar Chase or just bad decisions? Because I'm Bingo. noticing that you number right two. I, I, I think you hit it right on the nose. I, I think that when in trouble, he is looking to Jamar Chase. Chase has like 44 uh, passes thrown to him thus far this year. And after that, it's Boyd and then maybe Higgins. And I think he's looking, he's forcing. And I think defenses are looking to see. And they're double-teaming Chase. That's basically what they're doing. And now there's a double whammy going against Borrow for Sunday because you got Max and Yannick going after him right now, and he's got to get rid of that ball quickly, otherwise he'll be on his derriere. 
So what's the weakness of the offensive line? Why, why is Burrow going down? Is it the interior? That's where the Raiders struggle. They got a potential pro bowler in Colton Miller. You know, Leatherwood was taken in the first round. They moved him from right tackle to right guard there. What's the weakness of this Bengals offensive line? I would say the, the newness of them and not being playing together. I think that's okay. the problem right there. So, you know, just the, the newness. I'll tell you what, there's a problem there, but there's also a problem in the secondary with Eli Apple. And I think right now that's going to be a thing that the Raiders are going to kind of expose big time on Sunday going after Eli Apple in that cornerback position. Tell me about Joe Mixon and how he turned his life around and career around from college to finding a home here and what we're seeing in Cincinnati. I think Raider fans are very concerned about him because at times when the Raiders aren't playing well, they're not tackling well in space. The Raiders don't have elite linebackers, period. The linebackers who have come in have either underachieved or been hurt and if Mixon can get to the next level and be one-on-one with the Raider linebackers and the Raider secondary, that's concern here in Vegas. Well, you know, I think that you had a tremendous point right there, JT, because what the Bengals need to do is create a running game. they got to give the ball to Mixon. they got to shove it in number 28's belly and let him run to open up that offense. you got to get Joe Burrow out of the shotgun, get him on the center, and give Mixon the ball. That's number one. Number two, I would have to say that Joe Mixon was a very lucky young man being drafted by Cincinnati. I would think that any other NFL club that would have drafted him out of Oklahoma with all the baggage, so to speak, that happened to him, you know, punching a girl and breaking her face and things like that, there would have been a lot of women's groups protesting. Cincinnati's not that kind of a town. They, they give people that second chance. And he's loved here. He really is. I think if he went through Chicago or New York or any large metropolitan area, there had been some protesting, and I think that there would have been a lot of pushback on that ball club that would have drafted him. I think he's been very lucky uh, to come to Cincinnati, and he's developed into a very good community person, no trouble, obviously, and a great offensive player. Andy Furman is a great sports talk radio host, kind to call him a friend. Really appreciate him. And, Andy, as I look at this game, it's incredible. I talked to the head coach today of the Raiders, and he doesn't want to look ahead because the Raiders play Thanksgiving Day at Dallas. So they're going into a buzzsaw. So they have to win this game. And – you know, at home, last year they were 2-6. and six. Now they're 3-2. and two. This could save the Raiders' season. They'd go to 6-4. and four. They'd be in the division hunt if Dallas beats Kansas City and the Chargers struggle. So, Andy, I don't think there's any more excuses for the Raiders. We all know what they've been through this year. It's hard. A lot of players take it differently. But they have a game against a team that's almost identical. Do you look at the Raiders the same way? They have the same record. They're both hoping for a shot at the division. But it's kind of the time where you got to start studying the wild card, and this feels like a wild card playoff game. No, you're exactly right. Not only very similar ball clubs on the field, they started off the same way. I mean, the Raiders started out three and zero, then they went three and two. The Bengals started out five and two, now they're five and four. And moreover, you look at the schedules that both teams have coming up. There's not an easy breath of air on either schedule. After Vegas, uh-huh. the Bengals play Pittsburgh, the Chargers. San Francisco may be a possibility of a win. Denver's coming on strong. Then Baltimore, Kansas City, and Cleveland's tough. So they don't win this game. I think their playoff chances are down the drain. Look, this team has not been doing well over the last several years. Joe Burrow's the the light, the shining light, the guy to take them to the promised land. A lot of people thinking maybe they could get to the playoffs this year. If they could win nine games, there's a possibility they'll go nine and eight. They could maybe make a wild card berth, maybe. That's a tough division that they're in. But, you know, if they don't make the playoffs this year, there'll be a lot of people that are very upset and turn their back on this ball club. Andy, finally, what's Joe Burrow like in that community? We go back. We both know Pete Rose well. 
and the Big Red Machine and God bless Joe Morgan and Johnny Bench. And you look at the great players, Kenny Anderson, who you know well, and Anthony Munoz. Anthony Munoz, I saw him at the Hall of Fame as Coach Flores just got in with Charles Woodson. And just to, just to be around him for five right. minutes, let alone an hour, I mean, your life, you just feel like a better person. Now, Joe right. Burrow you comes do. to the sports town, which is a rabid sports town, especially with college sports. How is he fitting in in the community? What's he like? Is he the star of Cincinnati? Well, I, I think he'll be a star when they win. And I think that there's so much pressure on him, but he's handling it very nicely. And he's from the area. I mean, he's basically from Athens, Ohio, which is about 50 miles north, northeast of Cincinnati. So he knows the Bengals. He's grown up following the Bengals. I think he wanted to play for the Bengals. He really did. I think he wants to lead this team. And I think he can. You know, this team is relatively healthy, which is a good thing. But you know what? That Traveling to the West Coast, I think it just takes so much out of a team. And I just... I worry about them going out there. I, I looked at the at the line today. It looked like the Bengals were favored by one and a half. That's yes. definitely going to change by Sunday. But, you know, I just – I don't feel good about this game for the Bengals. If I'm a Bengals fan, I don't feel good about it. You? You got you're, – you're Mr. Cincinnati. It is, the season's <laughs> on the line for both these teams. And you're telling the Raider Nation you don't feel I'm good about your Bengals. Coach. Uh, Zach Taylor is not my cup of tea. I'm not happy with this guy, really. And if they don't make the playoffs this year – I have a feeling he may be looking for a job. That's all I'm saying. I'm not happy the way he coaches. I'm not happy what he's doing offensively. He's a co-offensive coordinator. I like when the coordinators call the game from upstairs. He's doing it from the sidelines. I don't go for that. Maybe maybe that's just me. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it can be done. Maybe you can win that way. He hasn't shown me anything. I don't like his play calling. I just don't. You're the best. Good to catch up with you again. I'm so, I love so you. happy you could come on and preview this, man. Let's stay in touch, okay? Happy Thanksgiving, JT. You got it. Andy Furman. Wow. Good to get him on. He is a big-time Cincinnati talk show host. And, again, we had a lot of guests today. We were getting pushed back. Chris Myers came in out of nowhere. We had Schmitty booked. And Andy just texted me, and he said he's ready to come on. And I told Bobby, wow, we got to go from Schmitty to Andy because I didn't want to make him wait. And we were running about 10 minutes late with him. He doesn't like the Bengals coming into this game, the travel and all of that. I feel confident that the Raiders will win. I really do. I mean, how could I not? The, the season came out. People were asking me how many games the Raiders are going to win. I said probably nine. Uh, I thought nine and ten would be probably the max. Well, look where we're at now at five and four. And I had Cincinnati as a win. I also had the Bears as a win. I had the Giants as a win. I had a split between Baltimore and Pittsburgh. I didn't think they'd go 2-0, and Baltimore and Pittsburgh. I thought they beat Miami. And you look at these games, you know, we're all fans. We're trying to figure out where are the wins. Who didn't? Who in the Raider Nation, when the schedule came out, didn't have the Raiders beating the Bengals? I mean, this better be a win. And Cleveland's not playing well on the back end. And fortunately, the Raiders get the Chargers at home, right? They get an opportunity to play them and have an opportunity for a win. Same goes for Denver. And then you look at the rest of the schedule here, and you got to say, Man, if it breaks right for them after the Bengals win, they get to 6-4, and four, it's got to break right. Now it can't be lose to the Giants. You can't lose to Chicago. Going forward, you have to beat those teams on your schedule, and I think the Bengals are obviously one of them. 702-365-9200 if you want to get in before the top of the hour. Vic Tafer will join us here in about 10 minutes. Sean in Tennessee, you're up next on Raider Nation Radio. Hello, Sean. Hey, uh... I just called yesterday, and uh, 
I basically was telling... Sean, can you take us off speakerphone? Sean, can you take us off speakerphone? I can barely hear you. Go ahead, please. Thank you. Sean, are you there? Yeah. Go ahead. Can you hear me? Now I got you better. Go ahead, please. Okay. uh, Sorry, I'm at work. Um, Okay. So I called yesterday, and uh, I said that uh, the roster wasn't very good, and that's the problem with the team. Well, I just want to know, seeing how it never answered me yesterday, and then I heard oh, I never the answered you. This is gonna, this is, this is gonna get good. You want me to go player by player in the roster and tell no, me who no, I think no. is good or that? What, no, what are you, what are you trying saying, to get at? No, my point, my point is, is the whole time until now, it was never Gruden's fault coming from. He never took accountability, and you guys never put accountability on him. So who now, would you like to put accountability on, Mike Mayock or, or the coach? Now it's the player's fault, but and it's the quarterback's fault, and it's all these faults. Well, it started with Gruden tearing down this roster and mm-hmm. rebuilding it to nothing. So what do you want to know? Do you want to blame Gruden or Mayock? Do you want to blame no, me? So do you want, want to blame know, the quarterback? Who do you want to blame? My question is, is how all of a sudden it was never Gruden and now all of a sudden it's the coaches and the players. So you waited 24 hours, 24 hours to give me the exact bleeping phone call you gave me yesterday? You never answered, and then you called. What, what answer do you want? I've then, asked you. Do you, do you want me to admit that they? Do you want me to admit that they they swung? Do you want me to admit that they made bad draft picks? That they made bad signings and rugs? I'll admit that. What what, what answer would satisfy the you? Offense, the offense with Gruden, everybody was talking about how it was so good. It was never oh. good. We we barely got drives. We got like two drives a quarter with him. Talking I don't understand your phone call. Talking about going slow. Okay. Gruden did all this, and it was never him. Now he's gone, and it's everybody else's fault. I don't. Well, who understand. do you want to blame? What What, what do you think? What, what do you who do, Who do you think is to blame? You're You're confusing well, me. I blamed everybody when they don't the play point. well. The their car. How you guys expect him to go up and hurry up and go fast when he's got no running game? He's got no line. He's got okay. no one to throw to. Like you think that that any of those receivers that we have can beat any corner on the Bengals? Just goodbye, 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 out. goodbye. If you don't think that Brian Edwards and you don't think that Hunter Renfro and you don't think that Darren Waller and Foster Moreau can beat the Bengals and be them, you're an idiot. Okay, you're just an idiot to say that. Your phone call, I don't know what you were looking. There's got to be a beginning, middle, and an end to every phone call and a goal. If you don't think I answered the question again, I admit it, John Gruden's no longer here. Mike Mayock's made some really shaky picks, and he's been accountable for it. Rich Passaccia has taken over this roster. These weren't his players. He wasn't there picking the players. He had an opinion on the special teams. So we've acknowledged the bad draft picks, the bad draft class. We acknowledge that every day. I just don't know what you're trying to get to. Do you want to throw in the towel? Do you think that the car, I think what you were saying is that you can't blame Carr because he doesn't have enough good players around him. I would agree. Carr doesn't have a great offensive line. He lost his number one receiver on the outside. His running back isn't running well. Yeah, I, I don't put a lot of blame on Derek here. I always talk about what Derek has to deal with. It's a struggle right now. Thanks for your phone call. Woo! Billshappen.com. Part of my job, Bobby. Don't worry about it. I've been doing this for a quarter century. Taking calls who are angry, happy, euphoric, or depressed. We're good at it. Billshappen.com.
Go to the site. They'll get you cash if you need it. If you have bad credit, billshappen.com. Well, I think, um, you know, even in the past, we've tried to do things that we thought um, would enable us to play a little bit better down the stretch. I think we've been six and two and, and um, you know, maybe seven and, or six and three or wherever we've been at that particular point, And then we've seemed to hit a slide. So I don't think we just waited to this year now to try to address it. We've done those things in the past as well, whether it's adjusting schedule, um, practice schedule, adjusting pads, no pads, adjusting how much running, you know, whatever those things may be. And so I think, again, we're going to try to adjust it adjust and address it this year as well. We've done a lot of conversations with our players, um, giving them the opportunity to take ownership over some of the things that we do. And uh, we'll see how it works out here as we go through. But we're, we're really just, again, to the week-to-week deal, we're, we're, we're really trying to get ready you know, for the five-day period of playing the next game. Rich Passaccia, my conversation with him tomorrow, brought to you by Wahoo's Fish Taco. Follow them uh, you can cater with them. They'll deliver the food. They'll bring it to your office, your home, your big event. Wahoo's proud partner of our show as we bring in Vic Tafer, kind enough to join us from The Athletic. And, Vic, you cover this team as good as anybody. Are they getting frustrated hearing about the second half of the season, not playing their best, adjustments, the schedule? How do you think the team is handling these questions as we're here near the end of November? Yeah, I'm sure it's a broken record. They've heard, you know, Dirk's takes her now thirty in a row, and I think, um, I think the main thing is they say, and I said yesterday that if it's a better team, more talented team, I think Dirk said that the effort is better this year. So, I think the only way they can stop this talk is by actually, you know, going out. Uh, Vic, what did you think was the big uh, problem on the back end? Uh, Vic, what did you think was it? We cut out for a second. We just all right. We got him back, uh, Vic. I want to jump over to the defense in the back end with Jonathan Abram. What you saw with Trayvon Merrig, because at the end of the game, Kansas City just poured it on, and I think John Abram took a major step backwards. Can they get him mentally prepared to have a bounce back game against a high flying offense led by Joe Burrow? I think so. I think with, with I mean, Abram had any back completions, but I think. Players can tell him, hey, man, you had good position. Like, he was there in the right spot. Just didn't make a play on the ball. and didn't have his hands in the right spot. So, I think they have to feel those are coachable you know, moments. And I think also the way he's used. I think the Chiefs are kind of unique. And I think he's shown he's better in the box, definitely, you know, laying down the hill. So, he's trying to limit his exposure in terms of the deep plays. But I think he has gotten better than it was last year. I think he's got to focus on the positive and say, look, this thing obviously didn't go the way you wanted to, but even here you made some strides. You put it better than did last year. Vic Tafer's our guest from The Athletic. Uh, really important. Everybody's asking what's going on with Waller and the chemistry with Carr. I'm sure they're getting an extra practice. They're talking about getting open. Do you believe that Waller needs to get open more or Derek's got to throw him open more and trust him that he can go out and make tougher plays? I'm sorry. I can't hear you. I lost you. Okay, no problem. We got some we got some phone issues here. We'll work through it. Do you think that Derek's got to do a better job of throwing Waller open or Waller's got to do a better job of getting open? That's funny because, you know, first week he had 19 targets. And I thought that was way too many. I, asked, I remember asking John about John's like, well, he's throwing the ball 26 times. It'll be fine. I, I get that because, again, he's so good. 
that throwing him the ball in tight uh, tight window is not that to me it's not that bad a thing. But I think they overcompensated, like they overcorrected the problem, and now I think they got to go back to that. I think they they want to say they have obviously they have confidence in other guys, other receivers playing. But I'd rather you know myself see the ball go to Darren Waller than I would to say Zay Jones. I just think that's when they have to realize that. I think they do. I think they have to go back and look at it. And it doesn't really matter what teams are doing if they're using bracket coverage. You got to make your guy, your star player, a key part of your offense. You saw Travis Kelsey what he did. They get on the ball no matter what. I think that's kind of been the same approach with Darren Waller going forward. Wow, Vic, I couldn't agree with you anymore. I, I 100%, 110% agree with that. And I think a lot of Raider fans believe that too. Just get him the ball. I know it's tough. But if you don't throw it to him, he can't make an athletic play. He can't catch a high ball, a point pass. He can't catch a fade in the back of the end zone if you don't go there. What do you think the issue is with Josh Jacobs? Is it the offensive line not opening up big enough holes, or is he not hitting the holes fast enough? What do you see? Yeah, this last week I thought it was the old line. I thought he had no room to run. I think he, obviously he was banged up early on. He had some issues. But I thought against the Giants he looked like his old self. He showed his bouncing up the ball outside, and he showed a little – spring in his legs. I think I think that's still there. He says he's healthy, I believe. I think he's ready. He needs a little more room to run. I think that game obviously got away from the Raiders to the score. They couldn't keep trying to run the ball, but I think they will. And if he can't, if he's not there running the ball, then throw him some passes, get him some, some balls in space. But I think he's uh, I think he's ready to go. I think he looks like he's ready to have a, a good uh, second half of the season. Hey, Vic, finally, do fans make too much of it? Do I make too much about you know, desperation and needing a better speech and coming out ready to go because I was on the sidelines and warm-ups that last game with Woodson out there and all those gold jackets, and Derek was flexing to the crowd and running up to the crowd. I, I don't think they could have been more high for the game and more ready to play, and then they got blown out. So for everybody saying, well, they're not ready to play, they got to start faster, they got to be more into it, I saw them pretty into it before that Woodson Ceremony. I thought they were ready to t- play, but they just got blown out. Yeah, it was weird. And you're watching that you know, when, when the game started. I thought the Chiefs came out very loose, kind of like you yeah. know, they kind of realized that they could do things, they were going to take some chances and, and try to make some plays. Well, the Raiders are very tight. I'm not sure why that was. If it was, uh, I can't be nervous, but I mean, I sure they realized what an opportunity it was to kind of get that win, and they kind of blew it. But for some reason, I thought they were very tight in that game. I thought they didn't look. I don't, I don't want to say they weren't prepared, but. Something wasn't quite right, and before they knew it, you know, they, the matchups kind of went the wrong way, and they were down you know, by, by a lot of points. Vic, I'll see you Sunday, and after that, have a good trip to Dallas on Thanksgiving. Thanks for always joining us. We really appreciate you. I lost you again, JT. All right, my friend. Thank you. Bobby will tell you again. We thank Vic Tafer for coming on. I wish we had a better phone line. He does a fantastic job. We thank him so much for coming on. All right. You know, the phone's out there, and, and beautiful Henderson from time to time cut out there a little bit. Very strong phone lines here in Summerlin, but they didn't build the stadium here. No, no problem. I'll drive. I drive out there a few times a week. I love it. Uh, Vic was great, and I like what Vic said about getting the ball to Waller. How do you get the ball to Waller? Well, you got to stay with the play. You got to stay with the play. The only time you can't throw it to Waller is if he gets pinned at the line of scrimmage and then he goes on his break, and there's a safety right on top of him or a linebacker, and you know you can't get him the ball. I don't see a lot of that. I see Waller take off in his route and give him time to develop and get into his route. But as everyone said, we put on every insider. We talk to the coaches. They're trying to stop Waller. And they're doing a better job than the Raiders. The Raider coaches, 
Darren Waller, Derek Carr, and the offensive line? Pretty simple answer, isn't it? If you can't get Waller open, why? And it's probably because they just can't get the look that they like, the look that they want. And the look I think that you need with Waller is you got to line him up wide. you got to line him up in the slot. you got to put him in motion. You can't line him up as a traditional tight end. You can't anymore. He's not a traditional tight end. He's a freak. He needs to be treated like a freak. Feed him and go to him heavy like the first game of the year. Baltimore's in the same division as Cincinnati. Pittsburgh's in the same division as Cincinnati. You would think if the Raiders can beat Pittsburgh on the road and Lamar Jackson at home, they could beat Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Well, how about going back to those two game plans when Carr was electric and Carr got in a rhythm and Carr was throwing behind pretty much the same offensive line that we have now that should be a little bit more experienced. 702-365-9200. When we come back, we'll play a piece of uh, Gus Bradley's press conference. I've been waiting to hear this, and I'm sure you have. If you didn't catch it on the Raiders' social media site or YouTube or their Raiders.com site, we will have that for you coming up. You know I love to go to Doghouse Saloon. It's at Resorts World Vegas, the newest property on the Strip. Not a bad seat. The sports book's located right there. It's Doghouse Saloon at Resorts World Vegas, our official home for Monday Night Football. Uh, there were some great looks that we had and uh, some creases and things like that in the offense line, but especially with the way they they scored, um, then we turned the ball over, so then the score is what it is, and then the, you don't have the attempts and you don't have certain look. They're not playing the same defense as they would as if the game was the same, you know. And uh, you know when, when we came out in that second half and we hit Deshaun, uh, you know, that felt like, okay, we're going to score. And, and, and I think that I think you would have seen probably more of the balance, um, you know, in that aspect, if I'm honest. Derek Carr, JT, back with you, brought to you by Any Tires Plus. Uh, same owners as the Henderson Hyundai Superstore. They've been with me a long time, conveniently located off the corner of Lake Mead and Boulder Highway. Right now, get $50 off any new set of four tires at Any Tires Plus, and you get complimentary road hazard protection for 24 months with the purchase of any new complete set of tires at Any Tires Plus. To receive any of the great offers that they have there, just mention. Myself, JT the Brick, when you go in and you will get a deal, that's what we do on Sports Radio. We hook you up with deals, and that's a new one I have at Any Tires Plus. Gus Bradley, defensive coordinator of the Silver and Black, just spoke to the media out in Henderson. Gus, uh, an anomaly last week against Kansas City Chiefs, kind of a one-game one type of thing, do you think? Do you feel like- well, we got to make sure. You know, it was one of those things. I, I told our guys that we know what the standard – can look like, and now we know what it shouldn't look like, you know, and uh, we just didn't, you know, for some reason, uh, we just didn't play up to our capabilities, you know, whether it was tackling, I mean, we had more missed tackles that game than we've had combined, and we've been trending upward as far as a team that's tackling pretty well, so, you know, we just did some things that were uncharacteristic as far as communication, tackling, um, you know, so that's where we got to get corrected this week. The Bengals have had a pretty explosive passive offense uh, so far this season. What have you seen from them? Yeah, they're very talented. I, I don't uh, 
I coached with Joe's dad, Jimmy Burrow, uh, at North Dakota State. So I've known the family for many years, known Joe. Uh, obviously, you know, I think he was like in seventh grade when they left. But, uh, you know, great family. But uh, I know how competitive the family is, and I know how competitive Joe is. He's extremely competitive, very smart, um, very talented, very poised. Uh, not a lot of guys, especially in their younger years, when they feel pressure, keep their eyes downfield. And he's one of those guys that can do that. So he's always looking to make plays, does a good job escaping, extending plays. Now on the, on the receiving core, it's, it's an extremely talented receiving core now across the board. I know our scout came in and felt like it might be you know one of the best receiving core that we face. And it shows that way on tape. They're very explosive. Uh, even in games they lost, like the Jets, I think they lost, they had 30-some points. And so they can score from anywhere on the field. And, uh, you know, and I haven't even mentioned uh, Mixon yet. Uh, you know, he's a guy that is a handful and, you know, a jump cutter and, you know, a big, strong, physical type back. So very impressive offense. They, they can be very explosive. When you talk about making sure you get the stuff that went wrong corrected, I mean, how – how fixable is it, especially in a week? How, how much? How yeah, I, I think some of it was, you know, concentration. Um, it felt like there was some reverting back to old style as far as some tackling technique and things like that. And uh, even what we saw in the beginning of the season, some of the missed tackles we had due to some of the techniques or style showed up again. And uh, so it was just more of an emphasis on that. Like, you know, every rep is a tackling rep, you know, you know talking that uh, type uh, terminology to our guys. So it's just a, you know, renewed focus on it. When you're talking about going back to old tactics, are you talking about uh, more going for the strip instead of the, the tackle to begin with? Um, no, I think, you know, not that part. I think just space tackling. You know, with a team like Kansas City, it's, it's so important because they try to utilize the whole field. They spread it out. They use the whole width. And we knew space tackling was going to be a situation where we had to be on it, and we, we just weren't. The Chiefs seem to negate some of your pressure with the quick screens. How do you combat that going forward? Yeah, you know, some of the things they did, you know, it, it you know, we, we thought that could happen. That's why the, the emphasis of the space tackling, um, you know, but, uh, you know, they did. I think the trending for them was that, you know, the release time. Uh, we saw it in the Green Bay game against them that they were getting the ball, rid of the ball a lot quicker. So we anticipated that a little bit, and uh, you saw some of the different things they did. Is it frustrating at all, Gus, to, for the first game of the season to not get a sack, or is that just something that comes and goes with? with well, I think it was, you know, I think there's a, a disappointment in the room. Not so much, I mean, I'm sure, you know, you want to get pressure on the quarterback and affect him. But just that we had an opportunity, I told you, I mentioned before, it's kind of a test. Let's see where we're at. And then we had our test and we didn't succeed. And I think that's the disappointment. And now it's just back to work and say, all right, we, we understand now some of the things and who we are and what we got to make sure we protect and, and make sure we build on that. Gus, you guys had a couple opportunities where you had a chance to make a play on the ball, whether it was deflecting a pass or maybe having a dropped interception, things of that nature. Uh, I don't think that's been a big issue this year, but have you seen anything? Well, we, we have had some missed opportunities now. I think I, one of our coaches said we've had six missed stops. 
you know, on interceptions. And in a game like that, well, you got to take advantage of every opportunity. I think the score was relatively close at the time. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, Casey Hayward dropped that one. It had been great field position. And plays like that can turn the tide. And we just didn't make it. Or what, uh, Timo had a pick in the end zone. The next play, they scored. You know, those opportunities, you know, they don't come very often. And when we do get our opportunity, we got to, you know, capitalize on it. And we didn't do it in that game. And that's the point of emphasis, too, is that, boy, we got to make sure that we, you know, we work so hard to get those opportunities. We got to make them pay dividends. You did talk about Kansas City, you know, getting rid of the ball pretty quickly and kind of, you know, negating a little bit of what you guys want to do in the past for us. Do you expect other teams to try to do that? I, I see Cincinnati do that. They have, they take their shots now. They've, they're an explosive team. I think 59 explosive plays, you know, over seven a game. Uh, you know, so they take their shots and, and they made big plays just on deep balls and run after catch. So, but, you know, they're, they're very calculated on making sure that they stay in rhythm and move the ball down the field. And, you know, and you got to stay on top on the shots that they take. All right, that's Gus Bradley. That was good. Man, Gus gave us a lot with that, didn't he? Uh, go to Raiders.com or the Raider media sites to listen to that. I'm going to go back and listen to all of that again. Gus talked about the missed opportunities on interceptions that they've dropped. He talked about the bad tackling. Very accountable. Again, you've got to be accountable as a head coach and a player in this league. You're standing in front of microphones in the media. You have to admit what happened. And Gus tells you right there. They, they just played their worst game, and the tackling was a big issue there. They get a padded practice on Wednesday. They're trying to get guys back healthy. That's a big deal. So, Gus, you can tell Gus is really disappointed that they played their worst game during their biggest game of the year. Not making excuses. They know what they did. They have to fix it. It's a very good press conference. That's a former head coach. He knows how to address the media, and he answered everything there. Now what do they do to fix it? That's the key, right? What do they do to fix it to come back and play a much cleaner game, a more violent game, a more physical game, less penalties? I mean, everything was bad in that game. Everything has to get cleaned up. Thanks to Five Iron Golf, the premier indoor golf facility. They've been with us for now a number of months, and they appreciate you going there. Always having drinks, food, and fun, and hitting golf balls. Look, there's another spot in town that you know about. This is much better. This is Five Iron Golf. It's inside Area 15. It's just fantastic if you like to hit golf balls with your buddies. Play any golf course in the world. They'll bring it up for you. Play 18 holes. The technology's incredible, and you'll get better at real golf, right? You're going to get a lot better if you hit a lot of balls. I try to hit 100 balls. That's not my score, but I try to hit 100 balls there. Warm up, play around the golf there, have some food, have some drinks. I go there on Saturdays, and it's fantastic. It kind of is my way to decompress before a big weekend it's going to be a big weekend so tomorrow on pitch hitting i'm going to host the silver and black show and i'm excited to do that with lincoln kennedy we'll do that tomorrow over at the facility so i'll only have a one hour show uh the show will be one hour then q's going to step in and sunday i'll see you at the torch if i don't see you before that friday night the rebels are playing michigan at t-mobile if you're in vegas please buy tickets and support coaches versus cancer that's who I work with a lot here in town. It's fantastic. And Kevin Kruger, his first Coaches vs. Cancer game. Saturday night, the fight. If you're going to the fight, find me on Twitter at JT the Brick. And we'll be ready for Sunday at the Torch for the pregame show. Get there early, get inside, and check out the pregame show with Eric Allen. 
Have a great night, everybody. Yeah.